Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another organic and farm fresh episode of the Cigar Social Podcast. This is episode 18. My name is Matt. Thanks for joining. Today we have a pair of special guests here at the Smoke Shed Studio from Penrose Brewing. First, the guy who started in the sports world. He went from a merchandise ops, managing teams, social media accounts, and even event marketing now a sales rep. But Penrose likes to call them beer ambassadors for Penrose, Anthony Sperando. Appreciate you having me on. Next, a guy who started straight out of college with Anheuser-Busch and then off to Goose Island where he met co-founder uh, of Penrose and started this uh, brewery that we're about to dive into. Uh, he's been called the mind behind the beers, taken his decade worth of beer industry experience and turned it into this incredible, incredible brewery. Uh, though he doesn't like labels, and if you ask him, he's just Tom. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, the brewmaster and co-founder of Penrose Brewing, Tom Quarter. Hey there. Thanks for having us. Thanks for joining, guys. Uh, listeners, if, if you don't know, Penrose Brewing is located in Geneva. It's a small, locally-owned brewery and taproom uh, that specializes in small-batch brewing. Uh, they love to experiment in new styles and features a rotating selection of great beers and available at their taproom, from hazy IPAs to American lagers to fruited sours and even imperial stouts. Yep, a little bit of everything. Uh, you can now find our beers uh, in the entire state of Illinois, and we just opened up uh, a couple of markets in Wisconsin, too. Wow. Yeah. That is, that's awesome. Um, we dive into the bottle and stick in the beginning of every episode. Uh, today, the stogie is going to be the protocol probable cause. The probable cause is made at Eric Espinosa's La Zona factory in Esteli, Nicaragua. The probable cause consists of a San Andreas Mexican Maduro wrapper over a Nicaraguan binder and filler. This is the Robusto 5x52. You're going to experience medium complexity, medium strength, and medium to full body. Uh, it, cigar is going to deliver a, a rich, chewy profile. Uh, it's going to feature a slow burn and accented by hints of pepper, nuttiness, and rich, earthy tones. And now to the drink. Gents, uh, you brought a couple samples. Uh, I don't know what you want to start with. Um, uh, I say let's start with the Pilsner. Uh, Pilsners uh, are kind of go-to, as you can uh, tell from the intro. I cracked one uh, right as we came in here. Um, but this is a, a nice uh, grounded beer, kind of, uh, I always relate it to, like, if you're brewing a Pilsner as a brewery, it's like you're standing there naked. You know, like, there's nothing to hide behind. Uh, it's a lager-fermented yeast. Uh, nice, clean German malt, German hop, uh, and super simple, but the execution is really like the most technical uh, that you can do. Um, the lager process is uh, uh, very uh, uh, in intense in just all the specs you have to hit just to make sure it's totally clean uh, when drinking it. Yeah, I mean, when I see the, the Pilsner at the bars around here, it's definitely a, that perfect light crushable beer you know mm -hmm. that you can you can have with dinner you can bring it you can watch the game with it it, it is very a, a very versatile beer yeah i mean it's certainly one that we uh go back to time after time at the brewery it's probably our brewer's favorite um but uh when you get down to it like really the the raw ingredients shine um the german hops that we're using in here uh are, are just this beautiful grassy uh, not like wet cut grass, you know, like not lawnmower grass, but just like kind of grass field uh, type aroma. Uh, and we use actually do dry hop this beer. So as much as people don't think of hops when they think Pilsner, 
uh, there's a lot of hop component. It may not be that American hop, bright, citrus, piney, uh, but it does have that kind of nice bite to it from that dry hop. Yeah, it's, it's typically our number one seller in our tap room. And, uh, you know, out in the market, it's, it's fun to be able to sell it to certain bars that are trying to basically convert, uh, you know, domestic beer drinkers, uh, your Miller Lite, your Bud Light drinkers. Um, this can be kind of a nice gateway, if you will. Um, it does have a touch of the hoppiness that Tom noted. So it, it, it's just enough to keep the craft beer, craft beer drinkers around, but also, uh, you know, nice and clean enough for... Uh, everybody to approach yeah and, and something that I we, we you noticed right before we hit record the cigar we're smoking is from protocol <laughs> they have this signature letter P on the label on a band but then you notice something a little different and what was that there is a Penrose triangle uh, within that P uh, better known as the never-ending triangle uh, which, you know, that was a big part of when Tom helped start up Penrose. Uh, if, Tom, you want to explain. Yeah, so the, works. I mean, kind of the name Penrose came from this uh, mathematical expression of, of beauty. Uh, you know, that I'm an engineer by schooling and by, by really trade, <laughs> uh, big math nerd, um, and we kind of just went down this rabbit hole of, like, M.C. Escher style, if you yep. seen some of those works. You know, you've got the staircase that goes all the way around and back to itself. He did a lot of work with impossible figures, and so did uh, Penrose, the Penrose Triangle, uh, Roger Penrose. And so it's this shape that you can't actually make. It's impossible. You, you can't physically make it in the 3D world, but you can draw it, and you can kind of imitate it, too. But... At the end of the day, we relate the, the Penrose beers back to really the Penrose tiling pattern because at the end of the day, you just care about what's in the, the, the beer glass. You know, the customer just wants it to taste good. But the reason it tastes good is because all of the effort, all of the math, all the science, all the, the intangibles that we put back in the brewery, it all comes together because of that. So uh, kind of ties everything back together, and that's where we came up with the name Penrose. Wow. So this was a completely happy accident. Yes. I definitely did not plan this. <laughs> I thought you were just really good at, like, researching everything. Yeah. You know what? And usually, I've, I've been told by other guests that, you know, I, I I kind of bring things to their attention. They're like, oh, wow, how much research did you do? I'm like, yeah. no, not this. <laughs> I, I will take no credit in this. But, yes, actually, I did plan this. Um, <laughs> even uh, some of our beers. I don't know if Pilsner has it. I think Snow Boots has it. Yeah. Uh, we have some of that imagery on the, the side of some of the cans. Uh, we use it as our, we call it our flavor triangle. You know, uh -huh. if, if you're going to take away three things from this beer, what are the three things that you uh, take away from? So it's on uh, Look a at lot that. of beers to, <laughs> to describe it. Yep. Uh -huh. Huh. Well, I learned something new every day. There you <laughs> go. So uh, we can dive into a couple of questions here, but I, I want to throw an icebreaker. Completely unrelated. All right. Completely random. Sure. This could be fun. What was, what's the weirdest smell you've ever smelled? <laughs> um, that's a really good question. Probably some cheeses. You know, cheeses. Uh, yeah, I've had some uh, like uh, an apois. Uh, it can get really funky, really stinky, but like in a in a a good way. That's like, oh wait, this is kind of good. Yeah. You know? The weirdest smell. Mm -hmm. I'll just say, like, in general, there's certain smells that just bring you back to a certain point in time where, like, you smell some sort of, uh, like, 
floor sanitizer. It just brings me back to elementary school when they were cleaning the cafeteria floors or like certain food smells will bring you back to a festival when you were five yep. years old or something like that. Triggers the memories. Yeah. It's weird how it does that. The the real answer here, the real answer. I know we, there is a scientific. We, we well, no, I'm saying oh, we, we experienced this the oh, other day in the okay. office and uh, one of our guys was putting his boots on and then just all of a sudden just goes <laughs> And he's like, oh, it smells horrible. Absolutely horrible. But he's like, I kind of like it. You yeah. know? <laughs> he's a weirdo. But um, <laughs> brewer's boots are probably like one of the worst smells you could ever smell. Uh, and that's when you know you need to get a new pair of boots. You're standing in water, beer, sugar, chemicals all day. And if they spring a little leak, uh, that's when you need to get those out of there. Yeah, I bet. And you, what's your weirdest smell? Yeah. So... Uh, my weirdest smell I've ever smelt, and I'll never forget it. When I was younger, we used to drive to Massachusetts for summer vacations. Mm-hmm. My mom had an old minivan, and I was sitting in the passenger seat, and I was, uh, I didn't think the cigarette lighter worked. <laughs> and I was young. I was, you know, maybe 12, 13. This something is back like in the day when they had to push one. Uh-huh. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And because you would push it in, and it would pop. Yeah. Oh, okay. and it never popped. And I'm like, this thing's not working. This thing's not working. Oh, and we're driving down the highway, and I took it out, and I stuck my finger in it. And oh, no. uh, it's a smell you'll never forget. Oh, is, no. Is oh, your, your finger. And I had the rings yeah. from the coils <laughs> on my finger. We ran to the, the, the rest stop, and you know, I was running it under water. But that uh, that minivan smelled like my, my oh. burning finger. Oh, and, uh, anywho. <laughs> Jeez. So let's start from the start. Uh, like the childhood trauma, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where did Penrose start? Let's just, uh, I know there's a dive into many details, but yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, so uh, it kind of started back in my time at Goose Island. Um, I was working with one of my coworkers at the time. He was on the sales side. I was on the brewing and operations side. And we kind of just uh, sparked this idea that, all right, let's branch off and, and do our own thing. Um, it's kind of been a, a thread of my career is, all right, I'm at Anheuser-Busch. I'm learning a ton from them. I can gain so much information from that world. But at the end of the day, you're just this small cog in a big machine. You know, if you really want to make the, the true impact and, and, and deliver uh, something that you have a, 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 a effect on, uh, you've got to go smaller. And so that's why I went to Goose Island and then, also why I ended up branching off of there. Got a ton of information from that, learned a ton of stuff, but at some point you're a cog in a machine, and I'd rather be the cog. You know, like it, it, it all all kind of spirals through me. Um, and that was the same thing that, as my co-founder, Eric Hobbs. Uh, he he kind of felt the same way, and it's like, he's from the Geneva area. We wanted to bring something here. There wasn't a ton of craft breweries back then, when you're, especially in the area, when you're looking at it now. I mean, Batavia has two, North Aurora has two, Geneva has two, uh, three uh, with Stockholms, and then St. Charles has five, six, something like that. Yeah. So in just the course of the nine years that we've been open, you, you're now from really one to over a dozen, you know? Um, so uh, it, it was a nice open area. I love the area. I'm originally from central Illinois, so I'm not from this area originally, but um, coming out here, I was like, this is some place I could raise a family. This is some place I could really yep. enjoy. And I love that, like, that third street area of Geneva had 
so many small business bars and restaurants. You know, it wasn't that chain atmosphere and yeah. more Randall Road style. It was <laughs> more Third Street, and that's that was the the kind of uh, spark that drove us to Geneva and, and kind of why we chose here. Um, some of our partners are from the area too. They grew up in Batavia. They live in Geneva now, um, so they've got ties uh, to everything. Um, and it just really kind of all fell into place. But that's that's why Penrose uh, kind of happened. It was just a, a way for us to put our stamp on things. Yeah. Yeah, that Third Street area is, I mean, when people come and visit, I'm like, let's go down to Geneva. Let's just right. walk up and down there. And yeah, there's, but you're absolutely right. The, the brewing, the, the brewery boom, if you would, is definitely in the recent years, especially in this area. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, St. Charles was, was zero when we opened, and, and now it's a, yeah. a central hub for brewing out here. I mean, they're, yeah. there's, they're, I mean, they're across the, sh- the river from each other, across right. the street from each other, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, when we opened up, the, the closest one, I mean, you had two brothers in Warrenville, you know, and Salamoth was in Naperville, and, and those were really the closest ones. Uh, and now you can send a text message out to six guys and hey hey out of a bag of grain can you yeah. uh, can I stop by and you do it in five minutes and you're there yep and I didn't even include uh, obscurity out in Elburn there's sure. no, I mean that's just yeah. as close so actually just went there for the first time uh, a couple weeks ago yeah pretty cool little area yeah, absolutely they got nice uh, yeah. smoked meats uh, curation and Sm- then like you walk into the brewery and <laughs> it's it's like you're walking into a barbecue joint yeah. like that that was completely threw me <laughs> off guard for sure I could never work there you know just having that smell of barbecue like echo out <laughs> through everything I'm like oh yeah. I'd just be eating brisket every day for lunch get the meat sweats yeah. every day at work so at the start of Penrose uh, you you were mostly focused into like Belgium style Belgian style um, where does that inspiration come from? Uh, I would say a lot of that inspiration came from uh, my Goose Island time. Um, you know, a lot of what uh, is brewed there is 312 by volume, um, but then a heavy portion uh, ended up being the English style, the Honkers Ale, the IPAs. Uh, but then there was a small subset that started to develop into uh, kind of their Belgian lineup, uh, the Matilda, Pear Jock, uh, Sophie, and then their barrel-aged ones, uh, Lolita, the, the sisters, as they call it. Um, and that really kind of sparked um, inspiration for me. And and taking that and that brewing style and heritage and then just diving down a rabbit hole into Belgian brewing heritage. Um, going to Hopleaf and Map Room in the city when I was living down there. And, I mean, you can just try so many different things. I love the, the flavors were flavors that I haven't been tasting in American craft beer. Um, so it really kind of drove me to that. Uh, and uh, we wanted to kind of branch that out um, and say, all right, well, Revolution's doing amazing hoppy beers. Half Acre's doing amazing hoppy yep. beers. How are we going to fight that um, in this market? So let's kind of put our own spin on things. And um, certainly evolved since, though. Uh, it, that was kind of the, the foundation of Penrose and, and really directed where we came from um but not where we're going yeah i've noticed that a lot of the breweries around here i mean it's probably not just around here i think it's everywhere that they they focus on the hazies they focus on the ipas uh but what separates you i feel is that that the sours and the experimental portion 
Yeah, I would I would agree um, until you see how much of the hazies and IPAs we make. You know, <laughs> uh, that well, you gotta you gotta make you gotta have some too. Right, and that's that's yeah. really where we uh, so we started off with the, just the Belgian style, um, but our clientele, our home base people, kept saying, "I want an IPA, I want an IPA," and I early on I was anti making an IPA. Uh, I, I just didn't think we needed to. Uh, there were so many other people doing it well. I was wrong. You know, the the taproom clientele said, I need it, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so uh, we made one, and it sold out. And we made another one, it sold out again. We made a bigger batch, it sold out. And that kind of hit us on that, that road to them. Um, and so I said to myself, I'm like, at the end of the day, whatever I'm making, I want to be proud of it. I want to make the best one possible. And I don't, I don't care if it's a, a Belgian style that I'm trying to make or, or an IPA that I never thought I would make. I'm going to make the best damn one I can. Um, and so that's kind of how we, we approach it. Early on, we didn't make a lot of hazies in the grand scheme of things. Um, yeah. In our IPA world, you know, even when we were doing IPAs, we said, oh, it was, it was something that a lot of brewers had a hard time grasping was the IPA, was yeah. the hazy IPA. It's not a process that you grew up learning in brewing schools. It's a process that's changed and evolved even over the past three, four years. The process of making IP, a hazy IPA uh, has just exploded, and, and, and the, the knowledge behind it, now that bigger breweries are doing it, Sierra Nevada's doing it, New Belgium's doing it, and as a bush has done it. I think uh, everybody has a hazy now. You have I mean, to. Yeah. Uh, and the, the science behind it is, is really diving in. So understanding that dialing it in making sure that we know the best way to do it is something that we've taken by the horns and ran with and so our our goofy boots uh took home a great american beer festival award in uh 2019 took home a bronze and then 2020 took home a gold uh in the hazy strong pale category so national competition so um i i certainly love that beer and uh it's the best we can put out you know like but i will always try to learn what's next you know and in that hazy world it so many things have come up in the last three years different yeast strains different hop characters yeah. different uh processes of doing it everybody's trying things and and uh we're gonna stay on the front edge of that something that you just said that kind of sparked the question completely off well kind of topic uh what's up with the boots you have little <laughs> boots you have snow boots you have goofy boots uh, so uh, the the boots names really originated out of Goofy Boots. Goofy Boots was the first in the boots series, um, and for the longest time, just banging our heads against the wall trying to figure out a new beer name for every one, it, it just became cumbersome. I spent more time on the the naming convention than I did on the 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 beer recipe yeah. at, at times, um, and we're just put a bunch on the board. And I don't remember why it came up, but one of our guys wrote the name Goofy Boots on there. And his buddy calls weed Goofy Boots. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's a Missourian thing. It's from a, a, a movie, um, Rolling Kansas, I think. Amazing Kansas, or, Catching Kansas, some, think, yeah. some 90s movie. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and it just stuck. So we, we just rolled from that. Pardon the pun, um, and and the the boots uh, kind kind of evolved out of that. Um, huh. And I would say 2020, 2021 is really where we started to do more of the boots series, and it just it, it because it ties back 
into that goofy boots yep. world. Yeah. And from a branding perspective, it, 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 you obviously want to catch the consumer's attention whenever they walk into a liquor store or a local bar and restaurant. And obviously we've had a lot of success with Goofy Boots and some of the other boots that have been brewed following it. And so we just wanted to continue uh, building that brand. And if somebody is a Goofy Boots fan, it may be more approachable to them to, hey, let me check out Snow Boots, um, which we're gonna taste here shortly. Uh, let me check out Little Boots, uh, uh, the 5% version of Goofy Boots. Um, and you know, in it, it, Quite frankly, from a sales perspective, it, it's it's easy to be able to go into a bar and say, "Hey, Joe, you, you want the next Boots beer?" And yeah, sure, it always yeah. sells well, you know. And and so at this point, I think we're proud to say that Boots is part of the Penrose brand. Yeah, and like you said, like you mentioned, it, it's a series, right? Exactly. So you can kind of yeah. keep driving that with mm-hmm. different things, you know, like you Oktoberfest type of beers or seasonal type of beers. You yep. can start throwing and. The boots name, uh-huh. and and when it, when somebody sees boots, I hope they expect a certain type of flavor profile. Right. You know, they they know. Oh, this is the flavor profile I'm getting. It's going to be intensely hoppy. Um, odds are hazy, um, and and just a, a juice bomb of a of a hop character. Yeah. So I noticed when I was at your your brewery, there are no TVs. Uh, or or is there a TV You were there now? a few years ago, weren't you? Okay. <laughs> Since changed. Got it. But your seating is picnic style still. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to me at that point, it was like an immediate difference uh, of other breweries and tap houses. It was more of like a, a culture and kind of plays off, like you said, like no one really has a, a, t- a title per se. Like uh, it was just that culture kind of uh, brought me into being a, a fan and, and wanted to learn more and wanted to kind of have this so I can uh, discuss. Is that the type of culture that you, you, you kind of strive for? Yeah, uh, I mean, opening up, we never thought the tap room would end up being what it is, um, but uh, it quickly became it. People bring their families in on Sunday afternoon. Uh, we've had a, a children's author book reading there. Uh, like, <laughs> it, it, it really has kind of expanded into something that you don't get out of a lot of bars and restaurants because bars and restaurants you're sitting down for a meal and everything it's more the tap room ends up more of a gathering place and people are coming together for yeah a baby shower a wedding rehearsal dinner you know they, they just come and gather uh and that's definitely why we want to do the the picnic style tables that's why we didn't have tvs early on um just because we wanted people to talk to each other yeah uh now, since then, we put in a TV when the Cubs were in the World Series. So we put in one uh, at that point because we couldn't not have one. And then uh, just this past uh, month ago or something like that, uh, we lined the, the top of the back bar uh, with four more. Uh, two of them are normally our beer menu, though. Um, just, to, just to have another thing to, yeah. to do, you know. Normally this sounds off too, so it's not like you're getting blared out in the sports bar. Yeah, like you can still check the score. Yeah, you can but still you're check still the there score. for conversation. Yeah, exactly. And we've got a bunch of board games, a shuffleboard table. You know, it, it's great when you see just a bunch of people playing Monopoly and Risk on a Saturday afternoon. Oh, I love places like that. I mean, I, that's what my wife and I 
we go and we play. We played Monopoly at uh, nice. at the bar at a uh, Sidecar Supper Club. Yeah, there you go. We go there. They got the little hutch that you just pick up a board game at, sit at the bar, and, and play games. And I think that kind of atmosphere is what a lot of people should be doing to experience not only the, the beer and the product, but also the conversation and the culture of that that company. Right. Tavern culture is is huge. You know, like yeah. English style pubs, like where people are just going there to talk to their neighbors, to see their friends, you know, it, it's not necessarily a late night thing where you're going out and partying. You're going there for a beer, uh, let me have some, uh, a seltzer uh, too, and I'm just going to hang out and see my friends and, and enjoy it. Well, and the other group that's cool to see since, especially since the, the thing that happened within the past two years, I don't want to ruin your uh, algorithm here, uh, <laughs> the big, you know, uh, sickness, how about <laughs> that, right? Yes. Uh, yes, yes. Um, a lot of work from home, folks. So we have quite a few people that come into our tap room and bring their laptop and they're cranking yep. out some work with with a Penrose beer in their hand. And that's really cool. I mean, obviously, we have free Wi-Fi for them to use. And Don't tell the boss, can, but... Well, right, exactly, yeah. Um, we got the TV so they can, you know, catch the local news as they're, as they're doing the, the, their work and drinking a Penrose beer. But that's cool to see during the day, too. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I was... In my previous life, one of those folks who would break the laptop open at the bar. Yeah. And, and I mean, you're not there to get hammered. No. You know, you're just there. You're sipping a beer. You're checking the scores. You're doing work. Yeah. You're yep, being yep. productive. Absolutely. Right? Um, you want to dive into the next one? Let's do it. Sure. So. Um, what do you think? Oh, unless you get. No, no. You tell okay. me. What do we got? We got snow boots and then barrel age. Snow boots and two barrel age. Let's go snow boots next. Snow boots. So since, since we just got done, done talking about the boots. The boots. So uh, from what I gather, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. But this is a seven and a half percent. So winter hazy IPA, uh, and apparently the temperature around here is not the only thing freezing. Uh, you actually uh, use a cryo process to uh, freeze and and brew with with those hops. Um, while we're cracking these open, can you tell us a little more about that that process? Yeah. So this is a process done at the hop supplier, and like I've been saying. Uh, a lot of the innovation around these styles, around e- even the hops used in these styles, uh, is really being driven across all sides of the industry because the drinker is interested in it, the brewers are interested in making it, the hop suppliers are changing their processes, and the hop growers all the way uh, from top to bottom are all evolving and, and changing. And one of the things that's been changing is this way of concentrating the hop product because uh, hops themselves, they kind of look like a, a green leafy pine cone, you know, in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Anywhere from an inch to three, four inches tall. Um, and there's a lot of green matter, a lot of vegetative matter in there. Uh, that doesn't often end up uh, being a pleasant characteristic in these hazy IPAs. We're using a ton of hops in these beers. Uh, anywhere from uh, Goofy Boots is uh, just about four pounds per barrel of beer. And this keg here is a half of a barrel. So there's two pounds of hops uh, in there uh, for Goofy Boots. For Snow Boots, it's upwards of five. So it's even more. Um, And as much as you use to get all the good stuff, you also get a lot of the bad stuff. I'm a fan of this. Nice. This is really good. Thank you. So our way of packing that juicy character in there without getting that grassy green hop bite um, is to use this cryo process from one of our suppliers. And what they do is they, they essentially freeze it as they're pelletizing it so it doesn't 
drive off a lot of the juicy aromatic compounds um, and they're able to strip out some of that leafy matter. Hmm. So it's a way of concentrating it, getting super juicy character so we can add five pounds per barrel without uh, getting up that hot bite. Wow. And I got to say, this isn't something uh, I don't think a lot of people do is, is smoke a cigar with a hazy IPA. But I think they uh, they kind of play off each other pretty well. Probably a they lot do. of the, the leafiness, uh, you know, the hoppy with the with the tobacco. Well, uh, I mean, like the rule or of you thumb. You can tell me better. <laughs> the rule of thumb that I usually go by is that like uh, you have two different types of pairings. You have, you know, uh, a, a pair that is completely uh, opposite sides of the spectrum. Yep. And so it'll complement right. each other. Right. Or you do completely similar situation and they kind of play off each other. Right. Back and forth. And I feel like this cigar is not super bold. It's a no. it's a, it's a medium. Uh, the the snow boots is a very medium hazy IPA. It's not super heavy. It's not super you know strong in your face punchy. It's it's a it's a it's a very well balanced uh, pair here. Mm-hmm. And you know sometimes with a, a super strong cigar, I'll go with a pilsner. Yeah. Or I'll go with uh, an imperial stout, right. depending on how I'm feeling that day. But this is dead set. I feel like right in the middle. Yeah, and this was just packaged up. Uh, we packaged it on Wednesday, yep. so super fresh, um, fresher than you'll get it anywhere else. So lucky wow, you. <laughs> nice, just yeah. for you. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that. You're thinking of me when you packaged it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is our, uh, you know, our winter seasonal. Um, it'll be in stores ready for the Thanksgiving rush and yeah. uh, continue on through December. So we're excited for that Boots release this time of the year. So I'm going to be probably heading south for the holidays, and I might be grabbing there you go. a couple Sixers to bring down to Tennessee. So, nice. Yeah. What part of Tennessee? Uh, right outside of Chattanooga. Okay. A little Ootawa. All right. So, yeah. Nice. Uh, it's, it's weird spending the holidays in a warmer yeah, climate, uh-huh. you know, being up here, you're just used to yeah. getting out there and shoveling every morning. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, it's... Uh, now you can bring your snow boots. So I'll bring my snow boots down to Tennessee. Uh, yeah. Yes, yes. So, uh, I'm going to put you on a spot here. Okay. Oh. Shoot. You were to make a Mount Rushmore of hops. What would your Mount Rushmore look like? All right, of hops. Um, so, you've got to do some classic ones and some, some new ones. Um, a... As an American craft brewer, you always have to tip your hat to the Cascade Hop. That's that's on your Mount Rushmore. It's a, a pillar of everything. Um, so Cascade Hops, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, you know, it really yep. is one of the things that I think bred and sparked the American craft beer movement and this IPA craze. That's yeah. certainly one of them. Um, the other one, uh, you got to go Citra. Um, Everyone loves a citra. Even if they see it, they think it's going to be a, a citrusy beer, but right. they, they, yeah. Well, and, and that kind of, it was interesting as the hop suppliers started branding themselves around then, and they they started focusing more on the, the, the naming conventions of their hops, so it sounded Amarillo, Citra, and then from there it got even fruitier in the grand scheme of things. But what, do you remember your first zombie dust? Yeah, actually, I do. <laughs> exactly. Everybody around here, especially in Illinois, remembers their first zombie dust, yeah. and that was like this citra kick you in the head beer that everybody was like, oh, my God, and that's... And my father-in-law is in love with zombie dust, and that's 
going to be in that every time we go down there, it's hey, can you pick Bring a case? Hey, son, can you pick up a case of uh, zombie dust? Yeah, sure. Yep. Exactly, and and so I mean, those are those are two that I put on like my American craft hop, uh, Mount Rushmore. Um, for me, I've got to throw like something. I'm going to throw like a, a weird one in there, and and the reason is uh, it ends up spawning a lot of other hop varieties. So when you see all these new hop varieties, they're crossed with a lot of different things. So you cross two hop varieties, and you get something different out of it. Sometimes it's done for disease resistance, sometimes uh, drought resistance, drought tolerance, um, sometimes just for flavor or uh, bitterness compounds. So the, the hop breeders cross things to go a different way. So um, I would say like some of those English varieties that have kind of sparked a lot of uh, different uh, breeds from there, uh, as much as nobody wants to use this in the beer anymore, like Fuggle or like Mount Hood, uh, those are like great grandpas that you know like had big families and took over the entire town. You know that's kind of where where that goes. So those would be my three, um, and then fourth would be my favorite hop. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I would say uh, Nelson Salvine, um, a New Zealand hop. Uh, it tastes like white wine grapes that um, mm. I think really put the Southern Hemisphere hop growing region on the American craft beer drinkers uh, radar. So wow. I think that one is one that uh, drove a lot of focus down there and you can do a lot of different things because you don't have the same uh, crop diseases down there as you do up here because it's not a typical hop growing region. Climate's different, everything like that. Uh, so you can get these really crazy flavor profiles out of them. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, grandpas, uh, hmm. so I wanted to, with uh, the, the Nevet, you used buckwheat as yeah. an ingredient. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, or if I read correctly, that was your See, he's grandpa. doing research. He's, he, he pretended like he didn't good. do any research, but he, he did, no. like, took a deep dive no, into he, some he, of these He brought things. up an internship of mine almost 10 years ago, so that was good, <laughs> re- that was good research. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you added that ingredient to, to honor your grandfather, uh, because that was his nickname. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've I, a, I've never heard of beer with buckwheat in it, um, but that was for a, a Belgian Belgian black ale. Yep. Is that a like a traditional type of ingredient that that you you would use in that? No, but in the grand scheme of things, you can use anything in beer that you can use any grain, anything that has a starch, a sugar. So, you, so uh, beer is mostly barley, right? Um, these days with hazy IPAs, you're using a ton of oats, a ton of wheat in your beer. Um, you can use a lot of rye in it, very similar to bourbon-style stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can use rice, you can use corn, American adjunct lagers. You can use sweet potatoes or bread if you want. Um, at the end of the day, all these things add different characteristics. And the buckwheat uh, adds this nice, uh, grainy, uh, little grassy, not like super funk in the wild beer terms um but just this different level of oh this is this is different you know um we're using the toasted buckwheat in there too so it has this nice like dark bread uh kind of toast character which is which is real cool plays well with uh the the caramel malts that we use the darker malts um while still being just a super smooth beer and that beer uh just tapped at the brewery yesterday coffee and did so and four packs to go there you go Always a sales guy. That's right. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> Beer but, ambassador. Yeah. Yes, I, yes. Early on, you you when you're developing all these things, you're you're looking for 
something to tie it back to you. You know, something to to really feel good about. I've named beers after my kid. I've named beers after friends. um, And I wanted to tie back to uh, my family heritage uh, with that beer. So some of the early names were a lot more kind of connected uh, to him. Even the beer style uh, was connected to him. Uh, He was in an armed forces unit in World War II uh, that was nicknamed the Black Devils. So I kind of just said, okay, black beer how does yeah. that tie in and i'm like okay let's go this direction and it just kind of evolved into its own thing wow um what beer would you say is the the, the top seller the most popular beer from penrose uh goofy boots goofy boots. hands down no um with uh over the penrose lifetime taproom ipa that's boots yeah but Goofy Boots is uh, shot off like a like a bullet. Um, it really only went year round, um, maybe twenty twenty, maybe twenty nineteen, maybe twenty nineteen, something like that. Yeah. Um, before that, it was just a one off, a couple times a year thing. Um, but it, it's how ta- Taproom IPA also grew. Every time we made it, it kept getting bigger. You know, um, and and we're anticipating big things for it next year and continuing to grow. And, it, yeah. So it's a combination of uh, obviously Goofy Boots had great success with the two metals that you mentioned earlier, but also the market. Uh, hazy IPAs have really boomed, and, and luckily enough, we have a a winner <laughs> uh, that Tom and the crew brewed up, and so we're able to really push that uh, against the market, and we've had great success. Hmm. Um, award winning. Award winning, yeah. Nice. Uh, with some of your beers being very obscure and, and experimental and, and things of that nature, oh, what would you say is the, the oddest uh, but most surprising uh, beer that you've made? Um, we did a beer with beet powder. <laughs> that was the oddest but surprisingly satisfying. That one and then, so these were like two right back to back. And then another one aged in tequila barrels. Uh, that we ended up uh, adding a bunch of fruit to as well, a bunch of, like, passion fruit, papaya, mango, too. Um, those two were two that I'm like, this is going to be weird, but they ended up working very well. Uh, that The earthiness of the beets was really pretty cool, um, and it's not something that I strive for in beer normally, but it was cool to taste something different and uh, a different characteristic in there. I... We were just at uh, the Festival of Barrel Age Beers. Have you heard about Fobab? No. Okay. You, you should go next year. Okay. It's down in Chicago. It's one of the biggest uh, and, and probably the biggest barrel aged beer festival in the country. And one of the first ones. It's uh, going to be 20, 21 uh, years next year, 21 years old. So it's been around for a while. And you get the best barrel aged beer, lots of stouts, lots of barley wines uh, that you could ever want all in one room. Um, it's down at the UIC uh, Pavilion these years. Um, so we were down there, and I was talking to some of the other brewers. And I'm like, people want something they've never tried before a lot of times. You know, like, yes, it's good to go back to your old favorites, and it's comfortable. But at the end of the day, it, what wows you, what you remember is, oh, I've never never tasted that before. I've never tried that before. And that's a, a shocking aspect of uh, a lot of what today's craft beer movement is driving into. 
So speaking of surprising and, and just seeing what the market is going with, uh, just pour a little bit of our somewhat brand new lemon seltz up. Yeah, no, I, uh, <clears throat> I saw this. Uh, so I saw this the first time at the Geneva Festival of the Vine. Yep. yep. I walked by your booth and I'm like, oh, they got a seltzer. Sweet. Uh, but I didn't try it and I'm sorry. No. But <laughs> then I saw it at the uh, Batavia Pints by the Pond. Yep. And then I'm like, I got it. I got it. I got it. Uh, and it's phenomenal. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not a big hard seltzer guy, you know? I, uh, I understand. Neither am I. I this is very, this is like that lemonade type of. Yumness. Yeah. I don't even know how to describe it. <laughs> our uh, our production manager Jake, who's been with us uh, since day one, he's worked his way up from bartender to keg cleaner to assistant brewer to production manager. Um, this is kind of his baby, um, and he's not a seltzer guy either. Neither am I. <laughs> but uh, we found this one uh, product from one of our fruit vendors, this lemon puree that was just absolutely stunning. And he tasted it and was like, "This tastes like a lemon shake up at the fair." Yes, let's let's yep. do Absolutely. something with it. Yeah. I, you know yep. what? And I was yep. thinking when I was younger, we I, I, I grew up in Jersey, so we would mm-hmm. go to uh, the the boardwalk uh, down the shore, <laughs> and uh, they would have you had your your orange juice shake up if you would, and then oh. you had the the lemonade stand. Yep. And this, yes, this that's dead on. Yeah. That that lemonade shake up type of stuff you would get at a fair at a boardwalk right at a carnival you know like and and that's yep. we kind of drew inspiration from from the label it looks like the yep. the cup that you get yes uh, with the yellow and the green yeah so it uh, we kind of uh took inspiration from that but uh every time we've made this it's been a, a huge hit uh both at our tap room and then at festival of vine at uh geneva swedish days um everything like that so uh and this is new right this is Year we, one of this, or we, it's year one of canning. We first put it out last Swedish day, so 2021 Swedish days. It first came out 2022. We did a big drop for Swedish days, and then uh, a couple months later, we started canning it. And then hopefully towards the end of this year, uh, beginning of next, it'll start going out to stores uh, in cans. We did start releasing kegs out to the market uh, available for bars and restaurants as well. And, and so we're starting to see some restaurants put it on draft. It's kind of a mind hurdle for some of the restaurants to say, oh, I'm going to put a seltzer on draft. Yeah, that's, to that do is it. weird. And, and it's really cool to see some restaurants are actually starting to put it on draft and make mixed cocktails out of our limit seltzer. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's put a good. little bourbon in there. It's yeah. real nice. Hmm. So you can get it. Uh, I think Sidecar uh, might still have it on draft. They had it on draft for a little bit. Uh, Nobel House has it on draft. Um, yeah, a couple of good places around here. Yeah, even um, like a just a little bit in like a margarita. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, so I, I saw that you had a, uh, a double barrel caves. Yeah, and uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Um, caught my attention immediately <laughs> well you're a bourbon guy right yeah, yeah 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 so that's why i'm like you know and i know we're sipping on this but while i, I wanted to so it's an imperial stout aged in illinois whiskey barrels for 11 months then transferred to kentucky bourbon barrels 
for an additional 22 months. And I'm not really good at math, but that's like almost like three years of almost, age. Almost three years of age. So it was, it was over three years in process because you have the beer fermentation time first, which is about a month. So it's, it's well over three years in, in, in making. That's insane. For me, I mean, I've never heard of a, a, a you know, something like that. So apparently one barrel wasn't good enough. It, yeah. it wasn't enough. I, I, we really wanted to layer the flavor. Yeah. Um, the much like I've been talking about how like the hazy IPA, the IPA world has evolved over the last like really even five years. It's just exponentially evolved. The barrel aged stout world has just blown up because they've become so popular. Brewers are always looking for ways to make them different than everybody else's. Back in the day when everybody's making barrel-aged stouts, early Goose Island days and, and such. I mean, you're aging for 10 months in a barrel, and that's it, you know? Um, in, innovation from there was, ooh, I got this different distillery, or, you know, like that That was the level of innovation. But now um, brewers are, are trying to, to find ways to, to peg it to be something different. Um, I want something that I've never tasted before. I want something more intense than I've tasted before. The the most barrel character wins sometimes, you know? Um, so people have been aging for longer. They've been aging. Uh, there are double oak barrels that are coming out of Kentucky right now, um, different wood styles, um, different blends of staves in a single barrel um, because that bourbon oh, market has, uh, the bourbon market's exploded too. So uh, people are really experimenting there. That trickles down to us. Um, so we wanted to put a nice uh, layered characteristic in here. When you barrel age a beer, a lot of times you get a really quick hit of heat. You know, that bourbon heat. Yeah. And then aging for longer, you get less heat but more of the wood tones. So that's that has been my experience with barrels for, for a long time is, okay, well, Three months is hot, and you taste bourbon. Eight months, nine months, ten months, you get more vanilla, more caramel, more coconut character out of the barrel. So we're trying to kind of maximize both. I want to taste whiskey and the wood in this. So bourbon uh, barrels, I think, have, in my opinion, and I'm not even, I'm not in the industry. I'm not far from an expert, but uh, even with anything, bourbon barrels have been incorporated uh, often. Recently, I know our, our friend Gindo, he just finished a hot sauce that was aged in a bourbon barrel. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And it's phenomenal. I bet. Like, it is absolutely something that you've never had before. I can guarantee you. Yeah. Um, but the beer aged in bourbon barrels, I can honestly say I don't think I've ever had before. Really? So, yeah. Chicagoland, I mean, Bourbon County Stout was one of the early originators and uh, oftentimes uh, disputed on when it was actually first released. Uh, they say it was 92, I think. Other people have poked holes and said it's 95. Um, but the Chicagoland area is kind of the birthplace of the Bourbon Barrel Age Stout with both Bourbon County and then uh, Todd uh, Ashman at Flossmore, uh, Pete Crowley at Rock Bottom, um, these guys were, were doing this 20-something years ago, uh, and it's really just exploded ever since. Um, you would be able to get your hands on a couple of bourbon barrels at a time. You'd have to find somebody to drive it up from Kentucky. Um, <laughs> there was a guy named Tom Griffin who I used to work with at, at Goose, and he would drive up from Kentucky in a horse trailer. And that horse trailer was packed to the gills with barrels. He would sleep in his trailer, 
drive down there, get back, full of barrels, unload them, drive it, do it again. And he kind of started some of that market here. Um, and now you can go to barrel brokers, and they'll go to the distilleries, and they pick the really cool ones and different ones. Back then, you had no idea what was in it before. You know, you, you could probably decipher some of the markings yeah. on the head of the barrel, um, but you don't know which. Because a lot of the distilleries use the same stock for different bourbons. So uh, you you had no idea. But now you know. Now they talk to the broker. The broker gets the really good ones and can sell them for more. So uh, it's cool because you can find out what was in that barrel before. And, and like I said, they're doing innovations in the barrel stock, barrel inventory, whiskey, uh, everything. They're all innovating too. So now that filters down to us and we can get some cool things. Bourbon barrels. Uh, what I gathered is the Illinois barrel that you used. Mm-hmm. Adds like a warm heat, yep, and a deep charcoal smoke. And the Kentucky barrel adds a the, the more of a cocoa flavor and depth and complexity. Yeah, uh, I get a lot of coconut out of this, which there's no added coconut, but yeah. that's that's all from that second barrel and the extended aging. So that's why we went the really long time in that second barrel was to pull out so much of those like lactones and uh, caramel notes and and coconut and vanilla and like. All those really nice, deep flavors. Yeah. And I, now that you said that, get coconut. Yeah. And I hate coconut. <laughs> but it's actually a really good thing here. Yeah, um, very same. Where, what, do you know what distilleries you've got, you got these barrels from? Uh, obviously, the, the Illinois one was Whiskey Acres. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're doing some really good stuff these days. Nick will be, uh, Nick Nagel will be on our show uh, this is December. Nice. Perfect. Yes. Actually, awesome. next episode. Oh, there you go. Nick will be here. Awesome. <laughs> um, and then the other ones, uh, it was Elijah Craig. Uh, oh, okay. Bourbon, so. Wow. Yeah. And then the other other beer that we brought were uh, Blanton's Barrels. So. Yeah. Um, I saw that. Yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's cool because it actually carried through. Like yeah. You get some of that like subtle spice and you know, Blanton's aged and well, like the metal-sided warehouse and everything. So a really intense character coming yeah. through. I know there's a lot of discussion in the bourbon world of well, Blanton's is essentially just fancy Buffalo Trace, and hmm. but but it's it is, I would say, completely different, you know, because yes. that that company owns a plethora of of you know Pappies, and Blanton's, right, Sazerac, and seventeen ninety two, like it's all Buffalo Trace, right, but the the ingredients used the the way it's aged the way you know it, it is it does draw those lines or even just how they pick it out you know like that can be yeah. a, a, most bourbon distillery groups over the last quite a while you have a lot of brands under one house yep and it, some of it can be the same stock some of it can be blended stock um, and a lot of what you do is pick and choose and say these ones are really good I'm gonna elevate that to my yeah. high tier you know what these ones are kind of hot they're quick i'm gonna keep this on my lower tier well that's what inspired the single barrel way back uh, when yeah is that they found that that sweet spot in the rick house and said that barrel is much better than the surrounding barrels uh-huh. i want just that one yeah and so yeah well now you see that going into beer too because beer and bourbon is often so ultimately linked people are picking one singular barrel or um, I think Microphone has done this a few times um, where they'll team up with a, a liquor store somewhere and say, okay, you guys come in, you pick out a barrel, we'll bottle this all up for you, and this is the one you get. You know? Yep. You, you oh, no, I, that, that a lot of distillers are doing that. I, I picked up a bottle of 
journeyman corsets, whips, and whiskey mm-hmm. from a Pride gas station. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it was a Pride hand-selected barrel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was it was good. It was yeah. great. Uh, yeah. But, it, yeah, a lot of those places are doing those, hey, bar, restaurant, liquor store, uh-huh. gas station, come pick a barrel, and yeah. that's going to be yours exclusive. Yeah, well, obviously the 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 Binnie's group does that. You yes. know, they they have a lot of volume that they can get behind, and and I mean they literally go on site and they know what they're looking for and and what works with their crew, and and they'll hand sticker it. Uh, the Bourbon Belly group with Barrel and Rye and Burger Local, Burger Social, they do it too. Because I mean, yep. people, people who move volume as a lot have a lot more weight in the the picking selection. Um, but uh, it's it's cool to see how. Those are different from each places, you know, too. You, you know that buyer likes one particular thing, and you're like, oh, okay, you're, you're behind this. You like it this way. Either I like it or I don't, you know, like I, I can get behind it and, and just like the story. It's, it's fun. It's different. It is different, yeah, because you look at the, the regular production, and actually this will maybe segue into a different question is, have you worked or collaborated with a restaurant are so on and so forth uh, with an, almost like an exclusive product we just have, for them. We have. Uh, Tom mentioned the Bourbon Belly Group. Uh, just last year we worked with them, uh, brought them into the brewery, and we brewed up a uh, hoppy lager. Uh, and, and that was available at uh, each of the Bourbon Belly restaurants, that being Barrel and Rye in Geneva, uh, Burger Local, Local in Burger Geneva, Social. Burger Social in Wheaton, and uh, Glen Ellen, Maison Mash, yep. Um, it was called Lights Out Lager. Um, so we, when we brought the group out to the brewery, we're brewing it up. We threw in some Illinois-grown corn into the, into the uh, the mash. The mash, thank you. And uh, the a big storm rolled through, and the power went out uh, right in the middle of the mash. So Tom was able to fix it, and, and the beer came out great. But because of that, we called it Lights Out Lager. That's awesome. And so it was available on draft uh, at all those four restaurants throughout last summer. Um, and it was great success. And it was great for not only the restaurant, but also us to be able to be on draft all summer at those at those restaurants and kind of help push each other up. And, and since then, we've, you know, we've built up, we've brewed up uh, Pilsners for different restaurants. Um, we actually have uh, Better Blonde at Rivers Casino. Uh, it's an exclusive beer that we brew up for them, and uh, it's on draft uh, year-round right now. And uh, you can go and you know play a couple slots and drink a Penrose beer <laughs> right in Rosemont or Displains, technically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. But then we, I mean, we we try to brew. We do a lot of small batch things for for different uh, events and things like that. So if we have a beer dinner, oftentimes we'll do a, a specialty beer for that, or we'll bring the people in and talk about the beer and. Find out what they want and, and work with them to, to make something really cool and different. Um, so, being in uh, Batavia here, Sidecar Supper Club, we're good friends with them. And I think for the yeah. last great place six seven years, we've made uh, we've done beer dinners with them yeah. usually once if not twice a year, and we usually make a beer for that. And I think we've made one for Gammon at uh, a couple points. And um, yeah, it, it's just it's fun because you get to welcome outside. Uh, thoughts on beer you know I we like to do things how we like to do them you know it's hard to change it's hard to get off track and sometimes those collaborations force us to get off track and, and that's fun 
it, it makes new interesting things that you wouldn't normally do that you might be able to incorporate into different parts of your world. Yeah. No, that's a <clears throat> that I've we, we had Oak and Swine here at Batavia. I think they're mm-hmm. somewhat related to the the, mm-hmm. the Barrel and Rye folks, yep. but um, yeah, I, I I'm looking forward to going to the Burger Local and trying that if they still have it. Yeah. But. Uh, they they don't have the beer anymore. That was last <laughs> summer. That was last summer. Hopefully they don't have the beer anymore. No. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what would be this time? Pick pick your favorite child. What's your favorite go to Penrose beer? Can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. Depends on the day. Uh, <laughs> two two weeks ago it was Oktoberfest. I was crushing yeah. Oktoberfest at the brewery, and that was the one that came home with me. Is what I had at the brewery. It just hit the spot. It, I wish it was like. 10 degrees cooler around because yep. that would be really be good. It was like 70 three days ago and now it's Crazy. 31 outside? Yeah. Four? But like Halloween trick-or-treating, like Oktoberfest yeah. was great in that, that mug as yep. I walked around. You know, it's just that, that nice, bready, caramely character. Um, the Nevet recipe, the fact that it's been with us for so long and been the one that's uh, kind of carried through it has a soft spot in my heart. Of course. So, um, But hey, like I like I said before, I, we're going to put our all into every darn thing that we do. So, yeah. um, Goofy Boots, seeing how that's evolved and seeing our hazy IPA process, uh, that's been great. I mean, even the Celts up. Like, everybody's I was hanging out with a bunch yeah. of brewers, and they're like, oh, you're making seltzer. I'm like, yeah, but it's really good. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's not like black cherry, blah, 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 yeah, it's tapioca, whatever. It, it no, is. No. That is a, a perfect combination to, to, to create a seltzer because mm-hmm. you're – it's lemonade. It is. It is delicious lemonade. Right. It has six percent. Six six percent. Yeah. But it's not uh, something that you know, watermelon. What you call it? Mango. Something right. or other. But yeah. You know. I mean. And, and we tried some of those too. We we went down that route because I mean, when you look at the seltzer drinker, um, uh, you look at White Claw. You know how how many dollar shares do they have in in the entire world? It's insane. Yeah. Um, so there's and they go too. I mean, we have. Uh, here at the house, we have uh, a neighborhood that we absolutely love. I can't imagine living anywhere else. But we do bonfires. We do uh, project movies on the garage door <laughs> so people can hang out and whatever. And I'll stock a cooler with whatever beer I have in the fridge. I just actually got a fridge for the garage nice. for this purpose. Um, but people grab that White Claw and, uh, yes, and the, the, the whatever other one. Truly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it's a thing. I'm like, Right, big old burly grown ass men are, yeah. are sitting there sipping on watermelon yes, trees, uh-huh. and I'm like, all right, yes. it's just a thing. Like it's a thing. It's it, a thing. I don't and it's who am I to explain it? You know, like if if that's what I'm seeing being grabbed, I so be it. You know, let let them drink what they like, and yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely. You know. But it, it is, I have noticed that trend. Yeah. But those guys will grab the nice bourbon too, which is funny. Right. Yes, you know, like they—they're the ones with the like the Weller bottles and <laughs> got uh-huh. a neighbor down the street, and I'm like, he's—he's uh, he's cracking a pappy bottle, and I'm like, wait, I just saw you drinking a high noon, you know, <laughs> like, uh, okay, cool, more power to you, man. Like, you do you. Uh, do we have? We do have one more. We beer, have yeah, one yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, we have the other tomorrow. The other tomorrow. So this is one I was excited for as well. I'm excited for all of them. But <laughs> this is the English-style barley wine aged for 17 months in, like you mentioned, Blatt, uh, Blanton's uh, bourbon barrels. 13%, a little 
little high on a scale, and I noticed these cans don't have any labels on them. No, we, that, that's why we can't sell it yet, because we don't have labels. So, yeah, so they are in production somewhere in, well, it was Iowa, and now it's going to be Wisconsin, because we had to change it. So that's part of the uh, manufacturing And I also process. noticed that you go with a uh, label can, not a printed can. you got to get a lot for printed cans. Yeah. So uh, these days in the can world, you've got to buy a truckload. That's the minimum. And wow. a truckload okay. is 25 skids, uh, and on a... A uh, twelve ounce can, eight thousand cans per skid. So twenty five times eight thousand. You do that math. It's a lot of cans. It's a lot of cash. Um, so uh, we actually not only that, but it's a lot of storage. A Absolutely, ton of, ton of storage. We, we've got a good amount of space for a brewery, but not even that. Like we don't have enough for. Uh, I just purchased a truckload of Goofy Boots cans. That's our number one seller. Makes sense to do that. Um, I can't even fit all those in my building. Wow. Um, but we're looking to get uh, some lemon seltzer cans, too. But if I if I was to do a barrel-aged beer can, it, I, I couldn't. It, it, too much. The, the smaller batch, the experimental projects, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll stick with the sticker, but mm-hmm. the, the mass production, you yep. know, with the printed, in the long run, may balance out in the price-wise. But yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, my painted can costs as much as my blank can. Like that—that's the weird thing about this industry is that, like, if I put a, a blank can out, it's the same as a printed can. But now my label is just twice as much, so I'm paying two times as much for uh, a labeled can than I am a printed can. Mm. So this one, uh, back to it. It's said to be a long overdue collaboration with one of uh, your friends in the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is that, and why the name? <laughs> uh, this is a friend of ours. Um, uh, Mr. Matt Offerman, uh, he now works at uh, uh, Iron and Glass down in Manuka. Um, but he used to work at Salamoth. He used to work at Tribes. Um, and over the years, uh, we've really just hit it off with them and loved hanging out with them, loved talking beer, uh, and said, let's make a beer sometime. And uh, at some point, it just kept getting delayed into his different jobs and different jobs. And uh, finally, we're like, fine, we're doing it. And we, we met up at uh, the Festival of Barrel-Aged Beers, FOBAB. Um, it was probably three years ago now that we uh, first started talking about what we actually wanted. And we tasted through every barley wine in the room. And these are some of the big hitters. And we're like, all right, what do you like about this? What do you not like about that? And we really dialed in on kind of this, like, bourbon raisin note without being caramely sweet. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we liked, um, both of us. Um, and uh, the name, The Other Tomorrow, kind of came from that uh, that delay that we kept going to. Uh, it, it was from him. Um, his niece also works at the brewery. Uh, she's one of our bartenders. And uh, it was funny because uh, his daughters uh, would say, when do we get to see uh, Elise? And he would say, tomorrow. And they go, oh, the, the other tomorrow, meaning down the road so it kind of tied back into this beer right? we just kicked it down the road so many times so mm-hmm. it's not tomorrow when it's coming out it's going to be the other tomorrow so when are labels coming other tomorrow yeah Absolutely. tomorrow <laughs> I, almost, I almost made the same comment yeah. <laughs> folks this will be available tomorrow yeah the other tomorrow yes. the other tomorrow <laughs> yeah i'm getting a like definitely like a like that raisiny mm-hmm. uh maple yeah lots wow. of like maple note there's like some really cool underlying like bourbon spice um, the heat has toned down. It's there. I mean, obviously, it's 13%, um, but it's not, like, an overwhelming heat. No. Like, you get this nice and warm, too. It, 
we served this at a, a beer dinner the other night at the brewery, and I was like, pour this 10 minutes ahead of time. Like, let that This warm is up. a, uh, that... like a, a winter sipper. Oh, absolutely. This, wow. this, this, we got snow falling outside right now. A winter sipper it is. This is it, <laughs> man. This is, we're, folks, we're sitting here in my shed <laughs> <laughs> and uh, sipping on phenomenal uh, beer. And, yeah, I think it is snowing outside. Yeah. I saw a couple flakes earlier. Damn it. <laughs> November 12th, mark it down. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, it was like 70-something a couple days ago. So, I right. mean, right. I was actually, where was I? I was, oh, I was getting coffee. And, like, we were waiting for the coffee. And the guy was like, oh, well, that was the weather room. I'm like, dude, it's it's about time that it's winter. I know, I was at Portillo's. Oh. You know, the guy, you know, the, the, you're in line and they're, they're taking your order. Like, dude, it's about time again. It's mid-November, almost right. mid-November in right. the Midwest. Right. Like, give right. me a break. Right. Like, quit bitching. We just got thrown <laughs> off. Yeah, yeah. The That's all it is. Um, so yeah, this, this is great. Uh, I am, I am definitely perplexed on <laughs> what I like better, this one or the double barrel caves that is like hand in hand. And I'm not a, a dark beer stout type of guy. Yeah. I, I don't normally go for that, but I'm, you flip a coin and I, I, I don't know which one I would like better. Nice. Yeah. This one has a, a nice, like. English malt base, so it's a little more rich than our normal malts. Uh, a hint of caramel malt, but then just a kiss of rye. Um, there's like 5% rye in here. Yeah. You know, most uh, rye whiskeys are 50. Or, you know, some of the high ryes are 30. Um, this has like 5%. So just a, a hinting kiss that you probably wouldn't know if you were, weren't, didn't know it. Um, we wouldn't be tasting it, but uh, it just has that little bit of balanced tone. And that gives here. that like that, that bourbon taste assist. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. you get it in the age, uh-huh. in the barrel, but then you add that little bit of rye, so you're kind of you're elevating that that bourbon flavor into it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is. It's, it's almost. It's not dark. It's like it's brown. It's brown. It's a brown. Uh-huh. Yeah. The other I, one was dark. I like I like calling it ruby brown. Like it's it's there's there's a little some red tones in here. Mm. Um, it started off much lighter, but we picked up a ton of color in the barrel. Which oh, was, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Which is cool. The the extended aging certainly helped that. Speaking of uh, bourbon or barrels, and we've had we've talked about barrels, but you have a barrel room. We do. And uh, folks, if you're looking to uh, rent a space out for an event, Penrose has a beautiful venue uh, at their bourbon or their barrel room. You know, host a wedding, birthday, maybe my birthday party, uh, <laughs> whatever you want. Hint, hint. Yeah, yeah, hint, hint. Uh, give them a call at their uh, at Penrose for to, to book the room or to even do a, a brewery tour, which I've done, and it was awesome. Uh, 630-232-2115. Um, can you let us in on any secrets? Uh, anything that's coming out soon? Anything to be excited for? Uh, I mean, first of all, you're tasting a couple of secrets with these uh, two yeah. barrel-age ones. Um, whenever I have a release date, I will let the public know, <laughs> but the labels aren't in-house right now, so yeah. I, yep, yep. I can't quite uh, these say These will be yet. released tomorrow. <laughs> the other tomorrow. <laughs> um, uh, and then we are, we're doing a, uh, a 12 beers a Christmas thing, yeah. which uh, everybody at the brewery hates me for that idea <laughs> uh, just because it's going to be a lot of work for us. But um, we're going to release a new beer every day uh, for 12 beers kind of leading up to that Christmas holiday uh, at our tap room. And so where can that where can that 12 beers be found? Not till the day of. 
So but at the but only at the brewery. Only at the brewery. The only Got at it. the brewery. So we're kind of doing like surprise tappings. You know, like you watch Jimmy Fallon at all, where he does the twelve sweaters at Christmas. Yes, yep. You know, you unveil one each day. It's kind of going to be like that. You yep. know, we're going to have a poster of Anthony, and you got to take one <laughs> off every time. Oh my God! Is it going to be like uh, that? What was that movie? Major League. Major League. League yeah. There you go. <laughs> where they slowly undress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, it's going to be Jake. Everybody wants to keep the clothes back on. So that will be uh, <laughs> starting December tenth. Yeah. Uh, All right. Life size picture of tap Anthony. Tap room. <laughs> tap room exclusives. Yeah. Uh, we'll be excited for those. Some really fun stuff. Um, yeah. Kind of spanning the entire yeah uh, array of what we do. Everything from seltzers to stouts uh, to Hoppy and uh, some small batch. Uh, I mean, everything's going to be uh, one-off, but we're going to brew a couple, brew up a couple of things uh, super specifically for this. So it'll be fun. It's something that's uh, going to push us to uh, <laughs> the limit, but uh, it'll be fun for the people drinking it. Cool, cool. Can't wait. And and, and apparently, I'm going to be at Penrose uh, twelve days in a row. There you go. That, that, is that weekdays or uh, weekends or weekends included? Weekends included. Weekends. Okay. We are not open on Mondays, but uh, so that's not included in the twelve days. Got it. Otherwise, yes. Got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom, I, I met you at uh, the Sidecar Supper Club at Oktoberfest. Yep. And it was really funny. I walked up and I'm like, "Hey, man, do you know Tom or Anthony?" <laughs> He's like, "Uh, <laughs> I'm Tom." I'm like, "Oh, no shit. All right. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, so but." That was at Oktoberfest. Is there any other events coming up in the, in the, the next couple months that, that people can find uh, Penrose? Sure. Um, so actually next uh, Thursday and Friday we'll be at the Morton Arboretums. Uh, they're kind of kicking off their illumination, their yeah. light show. Uh, they're, they kick it off with a brew fest. And so we'll be there Thursday and Friday of next week. I don't know the dates off the top of my head. I apologize. I guess if you do the math, that would be the 17th and 18th. Um, and then on the 18th, we will be tapping our uh, fantasy beers uh, at Plank Road Tap Room in Elgin. And uh, that is a collaboration we did with More Brewing out of Villa Park slash Huntley. Uh, very uh, cool uh, collaboration brew that we brewed up with them, featuring a lot of hype uh, hops and ingredients. Uh, there's a Fantasy East, which is a hazy version. There's a Fantasy West, which is a West Coast IPA version. Uh, we'll be tapping both of those at Plank Road Tap Room next Friday. Um, and then coming up from there, it's just a you know a couple of random tastings at, at your local liquor stores, and and we'll yeah. be gearing up for a lot of beer festivals uh, next year. And of course, uh, at the Tap Room, you can always count on us having an Oktoberfest. In September, otherwise you can see us in Geneva at Swedish Days and Festival of the Vine. And uh, Pints so by the Pond, hopefully, Batavia does yeah, that again, because that was awesome. Yeah. yeah, I saw a lot of uh, breweries, uh, Steve from uh, Brother Chimp, yeah. I mean, he, his, he tapped his keg pretty early, not early, but you know, he was like, yeah, huge hit nice. here in Batavia, which was nice to have them finally do something like that. Yeah, for sure. We went through that seltzer pretty quickly. Yeah, so I'm sure you helped, and we appreciate. Yeah, no, that. I I yeah. actually went uh, back. I, I gra- grabbed my cup or the little taster glass, yeah. and then I went back in line, and you know I kind of did the did that for a little that's bit. That's the name of the game at beer fest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of festivals, and I don't know if this is still in existence, but hmm. the celebration of funk. Yeah. What is that? Um, <laughs> Where is that? And when is that? So when we designed celebration of funk, it was a way. Uh, 
honestly is a way for us to get to hang out with our brewer friends at our brewery. Uh, that, that, that was our selfish goal about it, uh, and we wanted to do it in festival format. Um, we love, as when we opened up, we love wild beer. We love funky beer. The flavors in them are, are not like anything that you've had in beer before. And there are a lot of uh, people who are doing it really well that we're good friends with, and we just wanted to bring them all and showcase them uh, at our brewery. Uh, usually it's been in the fall. Um, we've kind of kicked it these last couple of years, um, trying to focus it into more of a intimate, uh, kind of extended weekend, uh, type event where we focus more on, uh, alternative fermented beverages. So natural wine, um, even, uh, hot sauce fermentation, everything like that, yeah. kind of more of a, a fermentation fest, um, and I don't have a far, firm date on it. I was trying to get it going this year in 2022, but I have not had time to, to finalize it. So I'm hoping, knock on wood. Uh, it's all wood. Yeah, yeah. it's all wood. Uh, hoping, hoping early 2023 because uh, we have a couple of uh, beers that would go really well in there. Um, one of our former employees opened up a brewery in Milwaukee, uh, Supermoon. It's actually uh, pronounced Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Yes, right. of course. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Wayne's World. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Thanks, Alice Cooper. Yeah, exactly. So uh, working on trying to get him down here. Um, and and j- we just want to f- showcase the cool, can I say shit? Cool yes. shit our friends are doing. <laughs> uh, say whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, just to bring that all here, uh, I think it's, it's really cool and have one one spot where everybody can sit there and talk about it and learn the, the, the nuances behind what we call funk. Funk. Know? Yeah. Funky. Funky. We, we haven't released a lot of those kind of beers in, in a while, and a lot of people know Penrose for those, and they've been asking for them, so I think this could be really exciting. Yeah. yeah. You, you mentioned hot sauce. Have, have you done anything with Gindo yet? or We haven't. We're, we, we use it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we <laughs> use it on all of our food. A lot of our friends make hot sauce, and they're in the yeah. ferment. Uh, one of our uh, brewers, Jake, uh, he is a big hot sauce guy, mm-hmm. so he ferments his own and, and everything. Um, but, no, we have not done anything with Gindo's. Yeah, no, Gindo, uh, obviously big, big friend of ours. Yeah. Uh, big, you know, I'm a big fan. I got, uh, I, I, you can almost say I have a hot sauce cellar in a basement. Oh, nice. There you <laughs> go. Uh, and we had him on a, an episode earlier and uh, we tried to stump the Gindo. Yeah. But um, I love his, his location because he does a, a wall of hot sauce. And then on the opposite side of the wall is, or opposite of the room, is a wall of the beers that he collaborated with. So you can grab a bottle of hot sauce and a bottle of, you know, and a four-pack or a six-pack of beer to kind of marry the two together. So it'd be interesting to see, uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, (laughs) knocking on wood. There you go. That uh, maybe Gindo and Penrose collaboration sometime soon. For sure. Uh, Listeners, uh, check out Penrose, please. Uh, PenroseBrewing.com or at their brewing location. It's a 14,000-square-foot facility. Uh, which includes a little bigger a, than the shed, a little bigger, little, than little, slightly hair, skosh, as <laughs> they say, <laughs> up here. Uh, 2,000 square foot tap room at 509 Stevens Street in Geneva, Illinois. That's uh, 60134. Um, or like I said, call them at 630 232 2115. Um, th- guys, this is uh, phenomenal. The cigar marries well with the, uh, I, I want to say it married well with the, the the pilsner but as i dive into these barrel aged oh, bourbons yeah. it's like a win-win here <laughs> just natural right cigar and a bourbon yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely um 
this this episode is down to a nub. I I, I can stick. You, we're probably gonna have another beer, probably. But <laughs> uh, Tom, Anthony, thanks for coming. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, the, the beer is phenomenal. Um, can't can't wait to do it again. Maybe uh, maybe we'll when it gets nicer out. Maybe we'll set up shop outside of your shop. That'd be awesome. Know. And do a little outdoor on on uh, remote call. Um, a live show. A live uh, show. Ooh, uh, yeah, live on the uh, the IG. Get some crowd reactions. Yeah. Live on uh, the YouTube. People can give me the thumbs up and the crying emojis. <laughs> uh, listener, uh, next time, please join us. Uh, but until then, stay safe, stay smoky, and stay classy. I'll see you next time here at the Cigar Social Podcast. Mm-hmm.